Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And on the phone, Dave Watson. Hello, Fergus. Dave, whilst we were waiting to get into the room to record this pod because Man United were uh, overrunning because apparently Fergie time yeah yeah because apparently they've got more to complain about than us <laughs> uh, we were playing a little game of which players have played for both Newcastle and Liverpool we were taking it in turns and we both <clears> got <throat> stuck let's see if you can get one that we haven't yet got and we'll take um, as long as it takes yeah. well I mean you can start with like Russian Barnes got uh, Shelby got oh yeah we yes did, we did yeah, get that Manquillo oh oh yeah, oh, yeah. We didn't get Bellamy Bellamy we got got Carol yeah you've done no Manquillo that's uh, Diddy Haman yeah got. we got Haman um, Enrique obviously got sorry? him <clears throat> Enrique we got Enrique we've got Milner we've got Carol yeah, yeah. Um, there you go you did it Manquillo you did it you did it Manquillo okay cool. He sort of he's played but not really played at quite a few clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Real Madrid, Sunderland. Uh yeah, maybe someone will one day make a film about him like this film that's going round about a Brazilian footballer who never played for anyone. Oh, I didn't know it. Okay, well that's a niche reference. <laughs> so uh Dave, this is my last pod before I move to Montreal. Stop it. It is, and therefore probably my last pod for a certainly long time. You've written a song, haven't you? You've written a song to say goodbye to me, am I right? (laughs) I've written a song, but uh, I I won't be singing it on the pod. Is it because you can't sing it without crying? I can't sing it without crying, and also I've got a voice like a goose being fed into a blender. It's goodbye England's bush. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid. I'm. No, it's gonna be. It's gonna be sad to see you go for yeah. Oh, thanks, while... guys. Thanks, guys. No, no, thank you, thank you. Because <laughs> well, you know, I bring the the knowledge, and and Paul brings the 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 humour. Um, you bring the, the um... big dick. <laughs> the big dick energy. <laughs> the big dick. The big dick energy. That's what we like from you, mate. Yeah. So, what we could have done with, in terms of big dick energy. 
we could have done with some big dick energy on Saturday. Hey, lads? <laughs> uh, did yeah. you watch the game, Dave? Yeah. Um, although, I have to be honest, uh, with about 10 minutes to go, I stopped watching and did something else that was less painful. Scab, 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 scab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just I was fed up, so I just sacked it off. I sat there and watched. I watched the whole thing, and yeah, so quickly got over it. I've taught myself to do that with Newcastle over the years. I'd get over it so quickly. You kind of have to, or you'll just be depressed all the time. But I appreciate them for my last podcast doing a a game that sums up. Newcastle yeah. in the last few years. It's our worst start to a season since 1898, apparently. Yeah. We've lost our first five games at home. We're bottom of the table. Yeah, We haven't won. We haven't won yet. Paul, you said in the pub before uh, we started recording that you had some kind of positive positive spin on things and we decided to save it for the pod what is your positive spin on things well just looking purely at the facts we're three points off survival with 29 games to go is that <laughs> so it's it? not quite as that like i've seen a lot of fans go we're down that's it there's no coming back from this the league this season so far looks different to other seasons the gap between top and bottom is vast so even though we're on two points, like 18th is five points. You look at nine games in last season, the same stage, 18th mm. had eight points. Right. This season, that would get you to 13th in the league. So right. like, we're not in any way cut adrift, and we've had a very tough run in. No, we're definitely not cut adrift, and mathematically... We've had games we should have won, but then you look at teams like Palace and Fulham... We've had a far easier run-in and a very catchable. Only takes a couple of games. Yes, yeah. I don't. I'm not saying we're not shit because we clearly are. But Brighton at home was a game you really would have hoped we'd get something out of, right, Dave? I think, in so much as that they're not a very good side, and you put them on a par with us in terms of, you know, quality on the pitch plus manager equals something i think we're on we're on a level pegging with them um so yeah i would have expected to get something but the way that they play is if if we'd if we'd come up against southampton say um i would have fancied us more to fancied us more likely to get a result against them than brighton just purely because brighton are a tough team to to grind down and you know if if we'd gone into the 80th minute and it was still nil nil I could quite see them nicking it. The way that the game panned out, it took a twice-deflected shot from a corner that they shouldn't have had for them to win the game. And that's kind of how it's going to go against teams like that, you know, one way or the other. So here's what I... Yeah, go on. Here's what I think, in a nutshell. We were all over them. Yeah. The whole game, we were all over them. Despite that they did defend quite well in the sense that they did quite a lot of good last-ditch defending, blocking and the like. But we were all over them, but we are so lacking in quality. Yeah. In the, not even the final sixth and the final fifth 
<laughs> yeah. not the f- we've not got not a good striker. The final third, the final. Yeah, we don't have a good striker, and we don't have that little bit of magic. I thought Richie was very involved uh, in a lot of the chances, but he's a very good championship player. He's not a very good he's, championship well, player. He's another one who's a victim of the lack of depth we've got, where he's a guaranteed starter. Yes, you're relying be. on someone who is... I mean, every area of our squad, apart centre-back, weirdly, is the only area where you'd say we've got sufficient depth. Mm. Right. Every other position on the pitch, we haven't. Shelby had a good game. Yeah, Kennedy, yeah. I thought, looked decent. So can I just... Because he gets a lot of stick... What did you Shelby think about or Kennedy? Perez? Oh, oh, you Perez. Yeah, I, he does get a lot of stick, and it, and I feel bad for him in that respect. But he just doesn't have that quality. He doesn't so make. He doesn't make good. He doesn't make good decisions. Well, Sometimes, that's... yes, he can quickly have a nice touch and quickly take on a couple of people and make something happen. But ultimately, his his ability regularly enough to well make a so goal. So on Saturday, no t- no player in the Premier League created more chances than Ayose Perez did oh, for us. This speaks a man who had something. Hard. Well, can, yeah. I, can I just ask you guys what you thought about <laughs> Perez? Because I've like, got a stat. What do you think about the number of chances that he created? Because I've got... <laughs> My thing with Perez is I'm regularly told after games how good he was. And I'm surprised by it, which he might be very good positionally. You do live with his sister, though. Yeah, that's true. I think he he suffers from the same problem that that we we don't have a good striker. And Muto looked busy and there were a couple of opportunities that fell his way. One clear-cut chance that he should have put away. It was basically an open net, but he he put it over. Um, I thought Perez had the best chance for us, though. Like, like early doors in the first yeah. like, 10 minutes or so. The yeah. problem with Perez is he's, he's prone to go over a lot and isn't nearly as clinical as he was last season. He's definitely lacking in confidence at the moment. And it, I think he's another one who's just symptomatic, symptomatic of the lack of depth we've got. There's nobody forcing him to up his game to stay in the team. Yeah, and it's not even like we could put... Uh, as we can with in the centre of the park, you know, if Hayden's, Hayden's not up to scratch, we can, you know, shoehorn in Diame into that role and vice versa. And if Kennedy's not up to scratch, we can shoehorn um, like Murphy from the other side, or we could, you know, we could we could we could shoehorn people into different areas, yeah. and they could do a job. There is nobody who can be shoehorned into that position. That like the number ten that. Benito's You're forgetting the the championship's best ever number ten, Modi Army. <laughs> I think actually playing him at number ten in the Premiership would be a disaster. Yeah. Isn't, isn't I mean, Muto? Could... Isn't Muto in theory someone who no. can play? I the think same he's more a replacement for Dwight Gale. I think. Yeah, he, he's that like busy, um, technically decent footballer that they can play up front, and you know. <laughs> If if we were playing two up front with Rondon on Muto, I think they'd work well together because it's a big man, little man combination that, that tends to do well. But I can't see him creating as much as Perez does, even though Perez is admittedly 
a limited footballer. I mean, we we were we we said before we said as soon as the fucking season ended in the Championship, we need a number ten. Then we went an entire season in the Premier League needing a number ten. We still need a number ten, and that's nothing. We've needed a left back for about ten years. <laughs> it's not that long ago that we were addicted to buying number tens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we need a number nine. Yes, we definitely need a, a, a proper striker. I mean, Shearer said that if his knee wasn't shot, he'd, he'd happily go, come back and, and give it a go. But that's one of those things where you joke and you say, "Hey, he probably couldn't do much worse." It would, he'd look pathetic. He'd, he'd disgrace his legacy. <laughs> it'd be disgusting. It'd be interesting to say to see. It would be a little bit like George Weah playing for Liberia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It it just lays bare the 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 arrogance of Mike Ashley uh, to to think that just because we you know you know muddled by last season with shit up front he thought oh we can do it again this season I'm not going to give them the the amount of money it would take to buy a proper striker because I mean we wouldn't have had to go off and sign. Killian Mbappe, we could have like we could have stretched, um, you know, could have tested people like um, Liverpool and tried to get Danny Ings. We could have tried to get Shane Long. We could have. We aren't good strikers, but they're a fuck ton better than the. I think the Shane Long is one of the got. few strikers in the Premier League worse than Hosley that I can think of. No, he doesn't even like. We've we've said it loads of times that he seems like an honest kind of character. He, you know, he he does put the effort in it's just he's shit so I feel bad about slagging him off every every week but he is just shit and so when you see him coming on uh, he him warming up it's not like it's not like when Luar Luar was coming on you know he's a bit shit but he's likely to do something unexpected mm. Hosselu's just he's a bang average championship he did striker. manage to hit the corner flag with a volleyed shot hmm which and I that, think that, should count that, for half a goal. That, should do, yeah. For me, Hosselu doing that just reeks of cowardice. Rather than rather than try and build a, a a chance, he'll lash at it, and if it goes miles wide, well, he's he's far out, and it was a volley, so he doesn't get it. that that stupidity and cowardice in my eyes. I wouldn't see he, it as cowardice, and a, a lot of other people we, would see it as bravery. Well, it's not brave just to lash your boot at something. That's not brave. To try and make something happen. Yeah, I think so often in games you see players just scared playing a sideways pass rather than trying to do something. I think he is braver than anyone who's ever fought in any army. Yeah. (laughs) And deserves every accolade we can give him. I think it's brave to take on a shot like that when you're as shit as Hosley. I, I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm like, I might get criticised, but I genuinely think it's just he, he couldn't think of anything to do. So rather than play the foot, play the ball on the deck, try and find a teammate, try and build a, a an opportunity, he just lashed his boot at it. And I think when it, you, you know, I think extenuating circumstances, when you're booed coming on, it's probably not going to, your mindset's not going to be amazing. When you're not particularly talented, he's still our top scorer, isn't he, this season? Leon Steed says on Twitter, he says, uh, tempted to ring the Samaritans for advice now. It's got to that stage. Things are very miserable. Three points off survival, 29 games to go. 
yeah, toughest that, run Leon. in of any of the hang, other teams. Hang, can I just? When I was like this, when I was like this, Paul, I got called a fucking ostrich. Yeah, but you were doing it two thirds into the season, and we had Steve McLaren as manager. Okay. We've still All got right. our first choice striker to come back, albeit in a month. We're going to have easier games than this. We should have beaten Man U. We should have beaten Cardiff. We should have like we should have put our chances away against Leicester. And if had we put our chances away against Brighton, we could have been three-one. Oh, shut up, Yostrich. Fucking hell. I think we're probably going to go down. <laughs> I don't think we are. I think we're more. I think there's to go sufficient shit not. in the Premier. I think there's sufficient shit in the Premier League this season that, like Paul says, nobody's cut adrift yet. So I don't think I think it had it had we had this start last season, yeah, I would have said yeah, we're we're, we're likely going down as it stands. I'd put us at about fifty fifty. Yeah, it's not looking great, but I don't think it's as dire as everyone like. We shouldn't be written off yet. No, no. When you no, look no. at you, you my worry is Fulham have got too bad too early and we'll bring in a decent manager and spend a lot of money in a transfer window it's the other the, the advantage we don't have that other teams do is that when it comes to having to spend their way out of trouble they will I can't see us doing that at Christmas we'll spend our way out of trouble by making a big time purchase of 8 million yeah on a Dutch striker so we can't loan any more Premier League players We'd have to, we'd have to actually buy a footballer, which shouldn't feel as weird as it does being a football club. No, we'll buy a Dutch striker from the Japanese league. <laughs> I mean, in our favour, Mike Ashley has sat through the last what three games? Has he has he attended three or four games? He can't now say that we don't need better players. So. I don't don't think that necessarily means we're going to go off and sign a good player. I still but think in his head, I think in Ashley's head, he'll think the cheaper option is get rid of Benitez and bring in a new manager. Assuming we'll get someone decent, which of course we won't. No. Thing is, well, so this, short this is term, something. you never know. Get, I'm, I'm not advocating this, by the way. But they might get to a point in the season where short term... Getting rid of uh, uh, of Benitez and bringing in a Pardew-like manager <laughs> could be enough to survive because that, that bounce of getting in a new manager does very often work. I don't think it would. I am not advocating it. It wouldn't at St. James's. I think it would no. turn toxic. But I, I guarantee you Ashley's thinking, if I get rid of Benitez, bring in ben, Brendan Rodgers... This could work, and I but could I th- see him I getting think... rid of Benitez and then being told no by Brendan Rodgers, and then ending up with Kerbishley or somebody like that. Yeah, I think also you've got to bear in mind that the new manager bounce is often because changing the manager is something that the fans want. It's something that the players want, and that like that switch of mentality. A guy comes in with positivity. A guy comes in. And he sweeps away the negativity and the, the the disunity. Whereas at Newcastle, even now, after our worst ru- our worst run of games for like nearly a hundred was a hundred and something years. I don't know. Even after that, Benitez is still overwhelmingly backed by 
St. like the St. James's Park, Park yeah, faithful. So we'll turn things the more players, toxic. Yeah. The players still believe in what he's selling. Um, so I don't think a new manager would get the bounce. I think the new manager would be, well, <laughs> they would be distrusted by the players, distrusted by the fans, and he wouldn't be backed by Ashley. So what's the fucking point? Like keep Benitez, give him a bit of money, and we'd survive. Benitez probably won't stay after this season. Um, so there's no point in sacking him now and paying him off. Give him some good players. Let him go and replace him in the in in the summer. And then you've you know you've got a better team with a worse manager who and the better the the worse manager can probably still keep Newcastle United in the Premier League and is less likely to kick us up as much of a fuss as Benitez does in the in the press. The problem with that is you're ascribing logic to Mike yeah, Ashley. Yeah. Whereas I think he'll just go. Benitez isn't signing this contract. I'm not giving him that money to spend because he's not going to be here next year. I'll bring in a shitter manager, give him the money I should have given Benitez but never did. Yeah. And still probably get relegated. I do sort of wish that uh, under the era of the, the cult of Rafa, yeah. <laughs> that there were... No, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I blame uh, the current state we're in on, on the fans. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do wish that they... There were more songs about the players. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's. Re- Matt I don't. Um, got one. I don't imagine that it would have any effect. But in you know, I, I wish there were some more confidence-boosting songs for the players, where it's sort of like it's so obvious that, they, that the fans think like the owner's shit because he can't afford to buy. He won't buy players. Who are better than all of you? Because you're shit. But are there the any players that have done enough for you to sort of? Sing no, about but it's them? like it's it's keep on trying. You're trying so good. <laughs> thank you, Diame, and thank you, John Joe. Come on, Matt Ritchie, get down that wing. Hustle, sure you're a nice guy. It. I saw that video where your baby was walking. That's nice one, Hustle. Thank you for the goals. There were just two, but I'd love to see more of them. He's gone mad in his life. I like cold. that. That is such a window into Fergus's like psyche because his idea of a football chant is basically the uh, theme tune from a 1970s buddy cop sitcom. I think more like a 90s teen show on Trouble. Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Before I leave, somebody write this down because um, this is... It's going to be ringing out the terraces before long. Yeah, this is for the fans. Kennedy can turn on a sixpence. (laughs) I think there are are legitimate concerns about the cult of Rafa. And I think some people won't criticise him no matter what happens. And there's quite clear similarities with politics across the world at the minute where people either have to be evil or 100% correct all the time and there's no room for nuance. To be fair, he is starting to get some criticism now and it doesn't really do us any good because the one positive thing around the club is uh, most of the fans' uh, feelings about Rafa. There's no way we'll attract an equivalent or better manager. No. No, 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 no. I mean, he he is annually um, invited to the elite coach 
getaway or whatever the fuck it is. Hang on, what the fuck and is he, this? Yeah. He's rubbing elbows with, like... Is this the Illuminati thing? Is this the Bilderberg group? It's not far off. <laughs> for elite managers. The elite coach and getaway. And... <laughs> That's the thing. Is it? Yeah. Where There's do they go? Coach conference. It's like a UEFA um, or FIFA conference where the best coaches in the world go for all go to, to Thorpe chat. Park. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes away. Like he's Sam Allardyce is always outside going, let us in. Yeah, I was going to say Allardyce is <laughs> he's never clearly there. an elite coach and there is no way that Newcastle United, even after Mike Ashley goes, could attract anybody of that calibre again. Like, yeah, and it's I, a bit like I'm living in a squat and complaining that the door knocker is made of gold and not platinum. It's it's the wrong detail to pick on. I really yeah. want to know more about this elite coach getaway. Shall I Google it? Well, we'll go for a break. We'll go for a break, and uh, and then we'll be back. Maybe we'll have more on the elite coach getaway. I don't think it's called that. No, the right. ECG. The ECG, yeah. Um, but what we certainly will have is some of your. Questions and comments from social media. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. Newcastle Natter is lubricated by Watney's Pale Ale. Watney's Pale Ale, the Newcastle Natter Beer of the Month. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. I would like to be starting this point, this uh, part of the show, by cracking open a delicious can of Watney's Pale Ale. But uh, unfortunately, there are none left in the fridge, which is just another indicator of how tasty Watney's Pale Ale is. <laughs> Loyal to the end. You can't, you can't get a hold of the stuff. It's, it's flying off the fridge shelves. Um. So that's a disappointment. My last pod. No Watney's Pale Ale. My chant has been poo-pooed. But I have information for you. Go on, let's hear. It's the UEFA Elite Coaches Forum. When a select group of managers gather in Switzerland. Oh, it's always Switzerland. It's always Switzerland. It's that sweet Toblerone. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's basically... A group of great managers. And they're all like... Swapping ideas. Have you tried 4-2-3-1? Benitez as well, looking at the picture of the event. They're all in light shirts, but he always wears a black shirt with his suit and looks sort of slightly mafia. Right. Yeah. Now, I'd imagine most of the chat there is stuff like... Is there, if I'm down 2-0 uh, at half-time, I usually go aggressive and say... Shh, Show me something else in the second half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the chat. Uh, That was a reference to football manager for uh, non-football manager fans. Always explain the joke. So, (laughs) uh, have you seen the football manager nineteen though? Is it out on the iPhone yet? Because that's the only it's way the I play it It's the beta is out, so if you pre pre ordered it, you get it. So I've been I've been how poor are Newcastle on there? Because we seem to usually be disproportionately good. Oh no no no! We are we are turbo shit. I've got a uh, 
Speaking of that, Jordy Ash has got in touch on Twitter. He says, I've got two questions. Number one, I've bought Football Manager 2019 and taken over as Newcastle boss, as I reckon I can do a better job than Rafa. Nobody could do a better job than Rafa. Um, I plan to keep Dubravka, our centre-backs, Shelby, and then sell and replace the rest as they're just not good enough. Solid strategy, he asks. Um, be be very lucky to strategy. sell. Fuck all people want to buy the, the, the shit that we've got. For anything like how they're valued, you'll, you'll be lucky to do anything with that team. It's shit. Well, football manager, the thing is, it's relatively easy, isn't it? And you'll probably end up doing quite well. Wow. Because it's not like real life. He says he's got two questions, but I can't find the second one. Oh, here it is. Number two. I'm reading this blind. Here we go. I saw this firsthand at the match at the weekend and wondered where you stand on it. Families with young kids, maybe at their first game, sat next to blokes who scream obscenities through the whole game, dropping the F-bomb. That's fuck, by the way. (laughs) 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 And, And worse. I mean, personally, I mean, I... I do have a son. He's not old enough to take to the football. Maybe I'll have an opinion as I get older. But personally, I am all for enclaves in life where men are allowed to swear at will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I there's, a, there's think... a caveat. If it's in like the family section, then you should turn yeah. your swearing down. But If it's in the family section, yeah. I've done it at football, though, and just... Accidentally sworn at St James's, realised there's a child next to me, and they go, "Oh fuck, sorry." Right. <laughs> it's, it's quite hard. Oh fuck, I'm always fucking doing that. It's, oh, it's a very emotional. I? No, I, I also think, think it, once it strays into uh, violence or violent uh, language, yeah, that's one thing. And certainly, if it touches on any racist or Anti-transgender. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. The full lot. Well, me but, and you used to often go to Palace games with yes. tickets from the same person. Yeah. And in that same seat, there'd always be a guy behind Yeah, sat either with his daughter or next to a young girl who was with someone else. Just And the only song he would really sing was about someone being a whore and would get into it as much as possible screaming it i think that's more offensive than dropping the f-bomb yeah it was it was it was going into a dark area but bad language on the whole i'm generally quite pro it and i've never fully understood why children are not allowed to swear i don't get it it's just yeah words. but you know i just think until there's a chant that covers every strata of society and is fully liberalized then we should be allowed to swear. I went to Millwall a couple of times and they had signs at the ground that said, say no to bad language. <laughs> like it's something you would be offered. <laughs> like a, hey, do you want to say bollocks? <laughs> no, thank you. No, no. I won't. I won't. I won't. Thank you very much. Though. Thank you. No, I think it would be disingenuous of me to pretend I don't enjoy swearing at football. It's one of the few pleasures you get following Newcastle. It's all very miserable on Twitter. Uh, Stephen M. Sharp says, so what are the rules for choosing a second team to support? It would be nice sometimes to watch a team and feel good afterwards. I think certainly if you... if you, I think you're allowed to support another team that's in a, 
a much lower division, I think. Sunderland, maybe. Sunderland, <laughs> go for Sunderland. I think if, you're if, you, if if it's the local non-league or local like League Two side, then yeah, that's. I mean, I'll be the arbiter and say that's allowed, but don't just support. Um, somebody who's doing well in League Two because they're doing well and no. you've got no ties to them. Like I support, in, you know, in, in inverted commas, I support Blythe Spartans because I grew up like round the corner from them and they are my legitimately local side. So I support them in so much as I want them to do well. I support Juventus, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Sorry? I support Juventus, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. That's good, yeah. But foreign sports, what about like if you can get into American sports, for example? Yeah, that's can, a better way of offering you, well, yeah. you can pick a team who's uh, quite good at that. Although I have done that and it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right supporting a team that wins all the time. Yeah. Um, let's read some more stuff blind. Tony Armstrong says, Why do, you, I, why do I love NUFC? I think he ask, also asks us, why do you love NUFC? I mean... I think it's gone beyond love. It's just it's an abusive relationship. It's an abusive We're stuck relationship. In. It's like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the nicest example of an abusive relationship. It is. Because I've got a, a little kid now. I've been watching Beauty and the Beast. It's, it's grim. Yeah. It's very supportive. It's, of, it, it's basically saying to women... In uh, bad relationships, just stay with him. He'll turn out all right in the end. <laughs> He's kidnapped you. <laughs> he imprisoned your dad. <laughs> Get out. It's all, you know. Then it ends all happily ever after. It's not going to stay that way, is it? Okay. Uh, Tony Armstrong, why why do some fans boo at the match when at the moment the team really needs unconditional support? I can see where he's coming from there. It's a visceral thing, though, isn't it? You don't yeah. you don't make a conscious decision to not support the team for that moment. You just vent your frustration at. And I don't think like they were booing um, Muto going off or um, Hosselu coming on. I think they were just booing the fact that there was an attacking player coming off to be replaced by another attacking player instead of like a defensive player really going for it because they're frustrated because they I haven't think it's seen just the whole any way. opportunities to vent at how unhappy they are and yeah I yeah I, like I, so I, I don't think that booing if your team's tried hard but has failed I don't think that's that's a good thing um, you see a lot with like Man U fans when they only beat. A, a bad side, one nil or something like that. They'll boo, and it's like, shut up, mate. Like, I think, think as well, it's not just about. Context, but it's not just about Newcastle that moment fans in the to game. boo Muto going off. I think it's just frustrated because they want because he was doing okay, and it's the same when Richie gets substituted off. They don't think about the broader context. Like, well, maybe, maybe bringing on a a, a more out and out winger. You know, somebody who's likely to go to the byline rather than cut inside, which is what Richie prefers to do. Maybe Benitez sees that that's a, a decent chance for us to create more opportunities. It's not just the substitutions that are being uh, booed, though, is it? It's the end of the game as well. Is it? It's just the general malcontent. Yeah. I think yeah. there's two reasons. I think a lot of it is just 10 years of mismanagement 
and frustration that we're so poor in the league. I think some, I think it's more younger fans that tend to boo substitutions. I think a lot of it is just people thinking like Jacob Murphy's good on FIFA, so why isn't he coming on? Bedford Mag's yeah. gone for his traditional eight questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I won't go through them all, but will boycotting one match make a difference? No. Don't know. There we go. Probably not, considering it's not like the public aren't aware of the state we're in. It depends on the... I mean, if there was a total boycott. I'd well, kind of like to see it, but I think... But I don't think that it would necessarily force Ashley to sell, because he's in the same position he's been for the last fucking seven years. Is He's waiting for some buyer to present an offer that is acceptable to him and staying away for one match, even if it's a total boycott, won't make him drop the, the, the asking price by a hundred million pounds. It, I, it might, yeah. you know what I mean? I it think, would add pressure. I think one, it'll never happen. And no. two, it might just shit him up enough to, uh, to change his strategy. I think, I think with two or three games, where there's a significant boycott. It doesn't have to be a total one, but if instead of seeing 48,000, 50,000 people at the, at, the, at, the home, at the home games, there were 15,000, I think that might shit him up more than one game, an empty stadium. I truly believe that. I think with any sort of direct action to take to get rid of him, though, it's not shouldn't be trying to think of what one thing is going to get rid of him. It's how do you build pressure so I think yeah, we're actually, absolutely. as a fan base, doing quite well at the minute. So protesting Sports Direct, really annoying investors in Sports Direct on Twitter, making their social media feeds unusable. That and a boycott on top of that. It's just building pressure on Ashley to the point where he thinks this isn't worth it. And we do seem to have a, quite a, a lot of support uh, support in the media at the moment, as yeah. well, which is helpful. Uh, so I think in terms of keeping up momentum, a boycott would be a good idea, but not on its own. Andy Sheldon says, given the huge loss in value the club will take if when we get relegated, do you think that will be enough incentive to get FCB, fucking Cockney Bastard, to let Rafa spend more money on players that we so desperately need? I mean, we've established he's not a logical man. Well, I don't think that... I mean, if, if and when we are relegated, it won't be Benitez spending the money. And it's not likely to be a manager of you know, great standing. So theoretically, if we're relegated, Mike Ashley could throw a bit of money at the at the problem, but it won't be it won't be the kind of kind of sums that we would not only get us back into the Premier League, but then establish us as a as a Premier League side. Um so no, I don't think that um of the value being stripped from the club by a relegation would make him throw enough money to, to turn things around. I think the only thing that will get rid of him subsequent to a relegation would be as if we stayed down there and the value of the club plummeted as things like parachute payments disappeared, saleable assets disappeared, because we're not bringing in youth that we can, like bringing through youth that we can sell. We don't have anybody on the books that is worth a significant amount of money in the same brackets as like Vinaldum or Sissoko or even Mitrovic. Like there's nobody in that team that's worth that you would expect to see sold for 
above 20 million. Maybe the cells, but if we're relegated, somebody might be able to get them for less than that. Like, we don't have anybody to sell. And I think that, like, sustained drop in valuation. So if we're in the championship for two or three seasons, that might force him to sell at a significantly reduced price. But then that... Well, that would just be terrific for everyone, wouldn't it? I kind of think well, it might be the I best mean, case scenario. It would scenario, attract the kind it? of owner that we don't want. Somebody who is taking a punt on buying us when we're super cheap and getting us into the Premier League and then selling us again. So they're not going to make long-term commitments to the infrastructure of the club. They're not going to make long-term commitments to the facilities. They're not going to have good relationships, um, like long-term relationships with sponsors and kit manufacturers and all this kind of shit. It'll be it'll be charlatans and 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 Barrett. The know, last two um, times we went down, both under Mike Ashley's reign, uh, it, we ended up with a really fun season in the championship. I really fear that this time that would not be the case. Yeah, uh, we've got a tweet here from. I just uh, want to say sorry in response to that last one. The whole the problem with us spending our way out of trouble at Christmas is we're not competitive spenders anymore. We don't. Like Jacob Murphy was our big signing not that long ago for twelve million. That's nothing in modern Premier League money. We sort of feel like as a club, like you know, in Austin Powers of Doctor Evil, where he comes back and yeah. demands one million dollars. That's our transfer policy. Like the yeah, game's yeah. moved on, and we're still thinking, oh, you can pick up a bargain for six million. Yeah, let's you look at the players. We're let's go out with. and buy Trevor Francis for a million. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, yeah, Paul's right. We need to be spending, you know, 60, 70 million pounds on a couple of players. And also those players who are worth that amount of money won't come and join a Premier League outfit that's struggling as badly as we are, even with Benitez in charge and even with, even if we were like 15th at the time. Well, I think there's that graphic doing the round, I don't know if you've seen it, about the spending Newcastle, Brighton and Huddersfield have done yeah. since being promoted. So the net spend, Brighton, 85.9 million, Huddersfield, 71.4 million, Newcastle, 100,000. Yeah. kind of yeah. says it all. And there's some supplies, replies saying, oh, but you spent all that money in the championship, which is not true. Yep. <laughs> because, of course, uh, uh, we sold... Sissoko and others. Uh, we've got a good one here from Chris 84 Lukey. Given we're about to need another budget signing to get us out of jail, who was our best one of the past? I'll go for Antoine Sibierski. I know he was summer transfer window, but he was fucking mint. <laughs> it's got to be killed fine. Uh, Sissoko, I think there's a good argument for. <laughs> there is a very good <laughs> argument. Two and a half million. Sissoko. It's true, that was an unbelievable. Destroyed sign. Chelsea in his first game. No, uh, it's got to be Killer Kill Klein. Signed him for Buttons and he took the young side that our dealers had left and turned them into an incredible champion. Well, like Division One side. It was and, Keegan yeah. signing, wasn't he, Kill Klein? I think. Sorry, second. It was Keegan signing, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, he was. I think he, I, I'm. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty. I'm pretty confident it was. Um, it was Keegan's like first signing, and he, you know, he he changed that group of kids um, into a, a 
into a title challenging outfit. And but you don't remember without... seeing him play. I don't remember seeing him play, but in one of the Martin Hardy books, I think it was Touching Distance, there's a lot of good stuff about Brian Kilkline. Basically, he was kind of a glorified bouncer for the young lads. They'd all go out in town and he'd make sure they didn't get beaten up and just <laughs> be quite handy. Handy, that's what all clubs need now. Well, I think in terms of... I think we could do with somebody like that in the dressing room now, not from a not from a stopping violence point of view, but just a bit of a leader. Suggestion from Thomas Burkan on Twitter. Talk about something positive, i.e. anything except football. For example, your kids' favourite movies, theatre plays, music, etc. <laughs> with just, three points of safety with 29 games to well, go. He's saying just anything but NUFC. Talk about something positive. I mean... Politics is in great shape right Politics now. is in terrific shape at the moment. <laughs> We're finally going to be free of the uh, shackles of Brussels, guys. <laughs> We're going to be free to plot our own path. and yeah. uh, We're going to be global Britain. We should leave the Premier League in a similar act of self-immolation. Yeah, leave, leave the Premier League and Go just on our start own. doing deals with... like the Join the Chinese League. Do, do, Play games in China. Yeah. Play games in the uh, American League. Australia. <laughs> That's what we should do. Uh, yeah. I saw First Man today. That was quite a good movie. Yeah. Saw it in IMAX. I'm moving to Montreal. That's good, isn't it? That's good. Should be good. Should be good. What's our next game? I'm, gen- I'm genuinely asking. On Saturday, I believe. <laughs> right, any thoughts on that game, lads? I think we will win. Do you? It, even though we have a terrible record there. I Well, a lot of it will depend on whether Danny Ings starts. I think if he doesn't start, I can't see Southampton scoring. They do look like a very poor team. They do. Dave? I I actually do fancy us to win. I think it this can't go on for the entire season. I think that we're not a soft touch in any of the games we've played. I don't think we've been a soft touch. And I think Southampton can be. And I think that this is the game where one goes in off the arse or... Lascelles gets one from a from a corner. I just fancy us to win, and it'll be a low-scoring win for us. But yeah, one nil. Okay. Um, have you got a score for me? Two-one. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to win. But our next few games. I mean, I'm going to say one nil. <laughs> but our next few games are Southampton away, Watford at home, Bournemouth at home, Burnley away, West Ham at home, Everton away. Wolves at home, Huddersfield away, Fulham at home. That takes us to Boxing Day when we play Liverpool. I mean, we've got to get some points there. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. If we're still bottom after those games, then we're going down. That is true, actually. That's got to be. There's if no... we're bottom on Boxing Day after that run of games, then surely we're going down. Yeah. I'm yeah. still broadly positive. Okay. I think the thing to remember is we outplayed Brighton created so many chances 
and theirs was just a lucky deflected goal from a corner that shouldn't have had, like Dave said. So everyone getting apocalyptic about it just needs to take a step back and look at... Stop seeing that game as part of the wider picture and just look at it on its own and think we were unlucky there. If that yeah. if that game had come with the same performance in any other season where we weren't bottom and hadn't had such a tough start, you'd just think, well, that's one of those games you chalk up to just everything going Brighton's way. You get one or two of those a season. Well, yeah. I hope we do. Or to the end of the season where we see that, that table that um, some like ex-referee watches all of the, the major incidents and stuff from games. I'd love to see where we're going to end up because... We should have had a win by now um, because I think we've been unlucky um, in, a, in a few of the uh, the big decisions that have gone against us, like not getting penalties. The penalty that against Man U at 2 0 was a corner the instead of a goal kick. You know, just shit like that's gone against us. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the table at the end of the. That's the, the table season. that counts, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's the well, one that matters. Yeah. I if hope... we can stay in the Premier League long enough for VAR to come in, then. We can probably add a position or two at yeah. the end of seasons. Well, I hope we do get some victories over those next few games. I hope that <laughs> before Christmas. Yeah. I hope <laughs> that this uh, podcast continues without me. I will listen to it. I don't know what arrangements have been made. Play. I've written a poem. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, no, I haven't written a poem. Uh, but like, if you guys, you know, I've been doing this podcast for quite a long time before you guys I've I've it's been a really big part of my life and if if you guys Dave and Paul have anything that you want to say right now you know like <laughs> you know I've put my heart and soul into this so you know if there's anything that you want <laughs> that you want to say you know or if there's any like if you, I, do, if, I think if, I now can speak. if the thing that you've got prepared I imagine there's something you prepared some kind of like special surprise or something bring in Keegan (laughs) (laughs) I just think I speak for me and Dave I say you've usually done a fair job right yeah if you Keegan actually if you had arranged Keegan (laughs) to walk in now I think I actually would be like oh nice to meet you but I'm quite tired I was hoping to get Keegan's out of here by about 15 minutes hours. ago. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dave Watson. Thank you, Ferguson. Enjoy Montreal and stay in touch. Oh, thank you. That was very sincere. Thank yeah. you, Paul Doolan. Captain, my captain. <laughs> oh, oh, go on. Go on, Paul. Go on, stand on the <laughs> I'm table. I'm going to stand on the desk. Go on. Stand I'll lunge, it. actually, because it's too dangerous. He's actually getting up. Go on, say it. It's a foot. Is it? Oh, Captain, my captain. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, he actually did it. He stood on the table. Of course, damage. He's caused damage internally and externally. That was very good. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network.